Today, I want to talk to you guys about just a continuation of what Pastor's been talking about. If you've been missing the last couple of weeks, Pastor's been talking about influence. And um, we talked about being kind and just the, just the importance of it, the, the ministry of affecting the people around us. And, and really, I think like at the core of a lot of what he's been talking about is the simplicity of it. Um, I think that one of the biggest things about being influential that a lot of us struggle with is when we think about influence, we think about whatever the highest influence in the whole world is, uh, and that's what we're like, well, I'm not influential. And hopefully today we're going to kind of dig a little bit, and that's just not a correct understanding of influence. But also, um, hopefully you've been encouraged by what Pastor's been saying, and it's been something that's convicted you, but also given you some inspiration. Hopefully I can continue that today. Every time I preach, um, I always, which is not often anymore, um, but every time I do it, I, I always will tell my wife, I'll be like, oh, this is so terrible. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and every time I feel like um, it's just another sign of like God uses people who are imperfect, who are not maybe always doing something. Anything you're doing, guys, you'll probably feel the same way. And so I'm in the same boat as you guys is my point. Is like we're talking about influence today. I'm having to do it right now. I'm having to be influential to a group of people who are used to listening to that guy talk. So, <laughs> so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go. God, thank you for today. Thank you that you've given us uh, your word, and you've given us each other, and um, just the ability to come and worship freely and um, learn about you and just gain inspiration and guidance from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So, everybody wants to be famous. I think, like, if you're disagreeing with me about yourself, maybe today you don't want to be famous, but there was a time in your life where you looked in the mirror and you're like, I look pretty good. <laughs> and other people should know how good I look or how talented I am. Everybody wants to be famous. There's an HBO documentary, which I have not watched, but it's called Fake Famous. And it opens up with this scene of everyone taking pictures, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, it's in LA, um, there's this hot pink wall that everyone takes pictures in front of. And, and the, the, uh, the narrator of the show, he, he's talking about these people coming to LA in Melrose Avenue, taking all these pictures, and he's like, these people aren't here for, to enjoy LA. No, they're here. He says, these people, Bilton says, are looking for likes. They're taking all the selfies in front of the pink wall. They want everybody to like them, which translates to more followers, which is the current currency of the most important thing on earth today. What everyone seems to be obsessed with, they want to be famous. Now, for some of you older folks who um, think social media is Facebook, um, anyone under 40 is not enthused about Facebook anymore. Um, Facebook is not the thing, but the likes mechanism and whatever engagement there is across multiple social media platforms really matters to your kids, and it matters to a lot of people, and I think, like, we can easily be dismissive of that, and I think, look at that and say, like, not me, I don't want to be famous, these kids these days. Kids these days, you know, and it's funny, kids these days, I mean, it's kind of true. There's a British tabloid in the sun, uh, like, I think 2017, it's like this much reported survey. And there's even like a meme online where they just post, like, a guy's like, oh, this is so depressing, kids these days. And the top 10 jobs kids want, let's put these up. So the top 10, based on this, this is British kids, but I think similar. Number one, 34% of the kids would like to grow up to be a YouTuber. 2% blogger, vlogger, 3% musician, singer, four, or number four, actor, number five, filmmaker, number six, and we're getting into some useful to society jobs, <laughs> doctor, nurse, TV. I think it's funny that they say athlete slash teacher. I know, I know a lot of very unathletic teachers, so I'm not really <laughs> sure what the cross-reference is there. Uh, writer. Lawyer. I think the world could probably do with about eight of those jobs without them. 
as much, maybe, less of them. But I, but I think at the end of the day, um, we're a little soured on all those because in reality, they're all very good. They're things we all enjoy. Um, they have the potential to have a lot of massive impact. I mean, you look at YouTube, right? YouTube it will empower generations upon generations to get messages out. People are like, YouTube controlled by the liberal media. It's cut out. I watch all kinds of conservative YouTube guys. Like, if you want to watch anything, like all the information getting out, actors, writers, they're not terrible jobs. And so I think it's important when you look at something like that and you think about the idea of influence to think, like, what are they really wanting? Like, why did the kids say that? They said that because they picked the jobs that they deemed to be the most influential. They said, how can I make the biggest impact on my world? And what are a kid's world? That's their world. And it won't always be their world. They'll get jobs, they'll have kids. Whatever your world is will probably be their world. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You'll turn into your parents, just like the State Farm commercials. But I think at the end of the day, um, you can say kids these days are so lazy. All they do is look at their phones, you know, which is a little bit true. But I don't think this is the prime reason for the rise of the influencer. Now, let's be honest. If I say influencer, how many of you guys know what I'm actually talking about? How many of you would be, have the humility to say, what is an influencer? No one, okay, everyone, so a bunch of you just lied previous to that. You're like, I'm not raising my hand no matter what he asks. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Influencers I, basically are modern people who have a big voice, typically social media. Um, just so you know, those of you who are like, social media, like Facebook, uh, yes, social media is Facebook, but also we have the Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube is social media. So anything like that. Instagram, the gram. Um, I think it's really not about being famous, though, or even being popular is the common one. I think, like I said, it's about wanting influence, and that's a good thing. It's a God thing that we would want to be influential. At the core of who we are as humans, we want to be known. We want to be recognized as valuable. We want to add value to the people around us. Um, we want, mostly positively, I think most of us, I think this is a key thing. We, if we get too cynical as Christians and we look at everyone in the world different than this, you're going to be missing a lot of conversations you could be having that are positive, which is everyone, for the most part, thinks they're the good guy. Like, almost no one has been like, well, you know, I'd like to be a villain, like, like, I like to, like, really be known as, like, a really rotten person. Like, like, the thing I'm about, it's evil. Like, I'm an evil guy. <laughs> Most people, and anyone who likes comic books knows this, the best villains think they're the heroes. So, so most everyone is trying to do a good thing. And they believe what they're doing is good, and they're impacting the world in the best way they know how. And that is good. That is good. That's what God made us to do, is to impact the world positively. Now, some of us have some very terrible perspectives and wrong ideas. doesn't mean we just let that stuff slide. But I think what I'm trying to get at is we are those people. That's you and me. We're no different than almost anyone else's. We might be older and we don't care about Facebook, but man... We really want our grandkids to like us more than the other grandparent. <laughs> Every one of us wants to, whatever sphere of influence you have, you want to be influential. You don't want to be like, I just love that when I'm at work, no one listens to my ideas. That's my favorite part about being at work. Like, I raise my hand in a meeting, I say something, and people are like, not that. <laughs> Shut up, quiet. No, everyone wants to, because humanity is hardwired for influence. We're just hardwired for it. 
like, like go back to Genesis, right? We're going to look at that. It said, God said, let make mankind in our image, in our likeness, right? So we're made like God, so that they may recover or so rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures and moving along and that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He says it three times, by the way, in that verse. Like, you're like God. You're supposed to be influential. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule it. Rule over the fish of the sea. It's weird, like, ruling over a fish, by the way. I always read that. Ever since I was a kid, I'm like, what? <laughs> a kingdom of fish, believe you. <laughs> um, and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Um, that's just, like, the first chapter of the Bible. God is telling us how we're wired and what our purpose is, which is influence. Farming is just influence. The soil, that soil wouldn't do anything if you didn't influence it. Jesus reinforced this calling to influence in Matthew 5. Um, what's really interesting is the Bible always has these parallels, right? And almost nothing in the Bible happens once. Um, God will just keep reiterating his purpose for us over and over again. And so there's those parallels between Genesis 1 and the ministry of God, um, the restarting of the human race almost. He's like, remember your purpose? Let me remind you. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. The town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. I guess someone has. My wife seems to do that sometimes. She'll like light the lamp and then cover it. And I'm like, why'd you do that? She's like, don't blow that candle out without covering it. I don't want the smoke. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for the most part, we don't put a light under a bowl. Um, because we wanted to, you know, provide light. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think one of the things about the, that verse that I think a lot of people misread is they talk about, like, you are the light of the world, right? That's true. And it's about, like, I'm a Christian, so I'm everyone's boss. Because I'm the light. I'm the light. I am the light. And what actually that verse is about is a very, it's a very much a um, verb-based verse about where you put the light. It's like, it's not about the existence of the light. It's about where are you placing it? How influential is the light? Are you putting it, like, in a closet? Or are you putting it on a stand? It's about influence. It's about affecting other people with your light. So I want to talk about three things today. What is an influencer? Influence is not optional because it's not. And how everyone's faith can be influential. And hopefully at the end of it, um, everyone here is able to kind of just Think of some practical things that they can do because um, it's great to get really theoretical and, and sometimes things take prayer and God wants to work in our inner life. That's a part of our faith. But a lot of this stuff, it's not that complicated. It's like, you know what you need to do. Just do it. And hopefully that's where we are. So what is an influencer? So the modern take is this. An influencer is a person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the items on social media. Um, those of, some of you might not know, I'm a very, very unsuccessful influencer. Um, I have a YouTube channel, and companies will send us products that they want us to hawk for them. In December, we got to go to Tokyo, um, Japan, for a week from Panasonic brought us there. We got to get some cool cameras and shoot some stuff. And, and, and so, like, I'm not above it. <laughs> like, I, I definitely understand that it's, this is not a parallel where we say, social media, bad, God, good. 
We're just, I'm just kind of like giving us some modern language so we understand. And so there, it's a phenomenon, though, because what's interesting about influencers is they're, I think it's less so now, but at one point they were super trusted, right? Because they're not controlled by corporations. They're just normal people talking about stuff. And, 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 and in my, this is probably one of my favorite things in the history that I've ever heard of in terms of stories, which is, how many of you are familiar with Fire Festival? Oh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> in 2017, the, this big campaign started hitting with all these massive social media influencers and musicians of this massive festival that was going to be happening in the Bahamas, and it was going to be this luxury festival. They had Kardashians involved in the marketing. All these people are like, I'm going to be there. You should be there. And this thing sold out, like thousands of tickets sold, a bunch of rich kids going to the Bahamas to l listen to Blink-182 and hang out with the Kardashians. And the influencers were paid a lot paid very handsomely to endorse the event, and they put these glamorous images out, and they put this entire campaign out. And like the whole thing was, we have a private island that used to be owned by um, a drug lord, but now we've turned it into this amazing private island of the Bahamas, and it's gonna be like this paradise of music and partying, and you're gonna come out. So it wasn't really, <laughs> didn't really work out like that. And the real story behind it is they couldn't get hardly, first of all, it wasn't a private island. It was just on the normal island, a little segment of it. They couldn't get any of the building done. They couldn't get any of the permitting. They couldn't get the water going. Everybody shows up, and we have, uh, <laughs> they have all this luxury food, they promise. Everybody gets a ham sandwich in a bag. Literally, this is an actual true story. All the bands canceled, so not a single band was there. So there are thousands of kids sleeping in soaking wet tents, eating ham sandwiches. <laughs> it's kind of like poetic justice, I think. Anybody who's gonna like drop $5,000, it's like, the universe does give us normal people a few laughs from time to time, so. <laughs> and I think, When you look at this idea of like, they didn't even have anything to actually to sell. It was a total fabrication. There was nothing. But the people connected to it were so powerful that they convinced everyone. They trusted them so much. They, they, none of the normal checks that go off in people's brain, like, should I do this? Let's look into it. All of that's bypassed because they trusted the people telling them. And, and I think that's an interesting little psychological slash spiritual thing is like, who's telling you something is more important than what they're telling you? You know, the actual definition of influencer is a person or a thing that influences another. I like simplicity, right? Because that's simple and that's actually what it is. And all of us do this. Every one of us has an influence. And so let's talk about influence because um, has anyone here ever just been impacted by, by, been influenced by something maybe a little bit small that maybe has kind of like totally set your day? Like, like let's be honest, by raising of hands, who's ever been extremely affected by the wrong coffee order? That's me. Honestly, like my daughter would be like, Dad, calm down. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's so simple. It's just two things that you put inside of a drink. Ruining my whole day. I need this coffee. <laughs> I'm just like at work, and I'm like, why am I in such a bad mood? I'm so mad at that person for making my coffee wrong. <laughs> Terrible commute. You show up at work a little late. You're just off. You can't think straight. You can't speak the right song at the right time. Anybody? You, that song comes on. More than I feel it. You're like, all right. <laughs> A great smell. Anybody? My wife, this is for you. Um, A small act of genuine kindness. Right? 
just these like it could be nothing. It could just be someone being like, literally like, oh, you look great today. It didn't it didn't even necessarily have a lot of meaning, but they're just little things that influence us. You walk in, you feel like a million bucks. Your spouse tells you you look nice. Just little things that that really affect us. And like like it could be the difference between like going into a meeting and sounding like a total buffoon. Or like actually screaming at someone and having a serious conflict. And when you think back, you're like, why was I off? You're like, it was literally my coffee order. Or like I stubbed my toe. And like I just got elevated in my emotional state for the next two hours. Little things are big things when it comes to influence. You know, the Bible talks about influence. We said influence is built into our DNA, right? And it's part of who we are. It's God made us in his image. He told us in the garden, be an influencer, right? And it's who we are. And it's just one of the ways we bear God's image by being like him because I think God is pretty influential. He's pretty influential seeing as he causes everything to happen. And it's also a responsibility that Christ followers have been called to take very seriously because every Christian is an influencer, right? Like, that's actually what it means. In Matthew 5, we talk about you're the light of the world, right? That's the calling, is to be... My favorite part is the city on a hill because in those days, right, they didn't have a way to navigate. So people would be walking... And they'd base, they'd have the stars, and they'd, and they'd have cities with, like, they'd look off and they'd go, okay, I know we're going the right way because I can see this city. It's lit. I'm in the middle of this desert or the wilderness, but I can see a city on a hill. It would tell you what way to go. And to influence the world for Jesus, it's kind of like that, right? It's like we are standing out and giving people a direction to go. And it's a privilege, really. It's a calling. And we might not have millions of followers, and I, that's not the vast majority of our callings, and honestly, wouldn't be good for a lot of us. <laughs> or famous. We're not famous. We don't have big YouTube channels and all this stuff. But if we, those are just excuses. Those are excuses for us because we're all called and able to affect the world. And I promise you, you are much more influential than a wrong coffee order or a bad commute to the people in your life. And if little things can affect us as much as those stupid things, I'll just say it, those are stupid. We're just emotional people. We're all emotional beings. And those things, for being honest, they do affect us. But what really affects us is the people in our lives. And you can be that to someone. You know, we all have that ability to affect people with God's message of love and grace. Why? Well, because influence is not optional. It's not optional. You don't get to choose to be influential just because you want to be or don't want to be. You know, now that I've established kind of what it is to be an influencer an influencer, and what being influential really means... Because, like I said, humanity's hardwired for influence. That's who you are. I want to kind of point us to the case that not only are you hardwired for it as a follower of Christ, but God has asked you specifically to do it. He didn't just make you in his image. Because I think that's one of those things is like, ah, it's who I am as a person. But, like, it's not as compelling than, like, someone saying to you, will you do this for me? Like, he didn't just make you that way. He literally reiterated it when Jesus came. He asked you personally. In Ephesians, he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Some of you haven't read read this verse, by the way. It's like, (laughs) it's kind of intense. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Influence. Passionate desires of our nature, right? We're all, we were all influenced by our nature before. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. 
just like everyone else. But this is the turn, right? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us to the future age as examples. Now, um, I had those highlight, bold printed, I was, but they're not bold printed up there. But I was going to say, right there, there's one, two, three, four examples of God saying, you are supposed to be like Christ. He seated you with him so God can point to you in future ages as examples Think about that. He's, he, he didn't save you from your sins. He saved you so that you could save others. That's such a bad modern misunderstanding, and it's like the puritanical kind of idea of being saved is like, I used to be a bad person, but now I'm a good person. That's great, dude. You don't get it. Yes, God wants to sanctify you so that you can be pointed to. So you can be a reference point. So God can look at you and say, just like Paul did, hey, follow this person the way that they follow Christ. Influence. The idea that we're supposed to be seated with Jesus. Like when someone sees you, they should see Jesus. If you're not convinced that you're an influencer yet and that it's God's calling for you, I wanted to say, um, there's a lot of excuses we have for this, right? Three excuses for not answering the call to influence. The first one might be, I'm a nobody. Who am I? I'm, I'm not significant. I'm a nobody. You know, we have all these verses, all these examples, right? We have Naaman's wife's slave, right? And this is just, she, she said, her master had leprosy. And so he's like, oh, hey, I, she, she, this girl was kidnapped, by the way, <laughs> brought from Israel, and was like, well, if my master could just go talk to the prophet, he could get healed. This guy went, he got healed. He's like, listen, hey, I'm going to follow your God from now on. We don't even know this person's name. Saul's servant. Hey, Saul's feeling, some people think it's an early example of a mental health issue in the Bible, but it could be demonic possession. We don't know. Saul's being oppressed. He's having all this emotional distress. This random, unnamed person in the Bible says, have you heard about David? He's, he's pretty good at the harp. Bring him in. The boy with five loaves and five fish, or three fishes. Like, who is this person? We don't know who this person is. They were just a random person who happened to be there. They walk up. They do their one little part in the story. They're a legend for all time. The widow and her two mites. Who's this person? Literally, the widow with two mites could literally be any of you. The most normal person. In fact, this person would be like the lowest person. A, a poor person. That Jesus is like, that's it. That's the person. Everyone should be like them. The next excuse, and this is the one I'm like, cut it out, people, because this is modern psychological mumbo-jumbo stuff that we've made into our identities, which is, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. So, you know, I, I like, the people who are the closest to me, they'll be influenced, but everyone at my work has never heard my voice. <laughs> Can I just say, get over yourself? Get over yourself. Like, I respect introversion, by the way. I think you need to be yourself. And you can't try to be someone else. You can't try to be a person who's, like, going out there and, like, you got to do it your way. All of us have to be ourselves. God made us who we are with a plan and a purpose. There's nothing wrong with who you are and how God made you to be. But who you are and how God made you to be is not an excuse to not do what he's asked you to do. 
And so introversion, great. Be yourself. Write letters. I don't care. Take people out to coffee. I don't know. Like, do it your way, but you got to do it. Moses, was, he was like, hey, go save my people. Moses literally goes, I'm not a man of words. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God's like, oh, fine. I'll give you a helper. He didn't say, like, you're right. You don't have to do it. I'm going to go find an extrovert. He was like, go do it. <laughs> go do what I'm saying. And the last one is, I'm too messed up. I have too much sin in my life. I can't do this. And like we see in the prophet Isaiah, God brings him up into heaven, and he's like, I want to show you all this glory, and there's all these angels flying around, and quite a terrifying scene. <laughs> and he says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. So like half of us, some of you are very holy, but the rest of us have unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He's like, well, I'm done for. I'm too messed up. I'm realizing how far I fall short of this glory, and I'm useless. No. That's called grace. God wants to sanctify your life. He wants to, no one is too messed up. The first thing God did in that story is he said, let me, I got you. Take this coal, cleanse my lips. I'm going to cleanse the sin in your life. So you can do it. God has an, like, sin is, like, the one problem. Not, I mean, there's a lot of problems. But, like, sin is not a problem for God. Like, it's a problem for us. Like, we're the ones who feel so guilty and shameful about it. God's like, it's under the blood, though. Just move on. <laughs> move on with your life. Start making that positive impact. That's the worst thing you can do is allow the mistakes you made in the past to keep you from blessing other people. So, how can we all be influential? And this is, I think, where I want to kind of drive it home the most. And I think, because it's practical, and it's pretty simple. So the first thing is, live for Jesus passionately. Ephesians 2.3, all of us used to live that way, following the passions, the passionate desires. So, like, all of our actions are actually compelled by passion. Um, it's very easy to be passionate about sin. Sin is fun. Um, because sin means I don't have to control myself. I don't have to bypass anyone else. It's all about me, right? I'm worshiping myself at the core of sin. Um, and I'm very passionate about myself. Maybe some of you aren't as passionate about yourself as I am, but it's easy for me to get kind of wrapped up in me. Um, that's who we were. We've already done this. We're all very experienced at being passionate. And I want you to think about a person you've met, who you meet them, and they're very you're like, oh, this person's like so subdued, so quiet, so laid back, so calm. And then you get them to talk about something they're passionate about. You stumble upon it, fishing, some random thing like archaeology. <laughs> and they open up, and they go, and they go, and they just like, it, if you're passionate about something, it's easy to be influential. You just almost can't hold it in, right? Like, sometimes I'm like, hey, listen, dude, no one cares about what you're talking about. Like, that's how much, when we're passionate about something. We were having a funny conversation before church. I was, like, looking at some shoes, <laughs> and uh, somebody comes in. I won't name them. But they're like, ah. Oh. They were talking about, I was like, ah, oh, I don't like these shoes. They have orange on them. I don't want to have, like, orange on my shoes. It's not my color. And then he was like, yeah, you know, it's like people with orange. Like, they're orange people. They just like orange. <laughs> and they will, like, love the color orange. They will defend orange. They will wear orange all the time. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm not an orange person. Like, that's just not. <laughs> like, if you're passionate about something, people know it. And you talk about it, and you will convince other people to do it. And, and like, because when you're passionate, you can't help be, but be influential, right? Because passion is contagious. How many of you guys have ever convinced to do something you hated because someone else was so passionate about it? <laughs> Like hiking. <laughs> all of us who actually secretly hate hiking don't want to tell all the people in our lives that love hiking that we hate hiking. Let's be honest. Camping. Oh, my goodness. If you ch I'm old enough to know that I will never go camping with you, but there was a time in my life where you could have convinced me to go camping because you're like, oh, it's so fun. I love it so much. 
And I'm like, really? It's that great? Because every time I go, I hate it. <laughs> but if you think it's great, I guess I'll go. And I go, and I'm like, nope, hate it. <laughs> this is actually the worst. Like, I literally spent so much of my life to not be sweating when I wake up. Why would I subject myself to this? But people, it's just influential, right? If someone is passionate, you just want to believe them. You want to buy into what they're saying because it's, if it's that great, what am I missing out on, right? FOMO. Like, this sounds amazing. The second one, live for Jesus authentically. It's about being real. Who you really are. It's the number one trait people are looking for, and it's actually what's causing a big problem in the influencer market because now people are figuring out that influencers are paid. People, if I make a, a video on YouTube with a product, it's a camera, a $2,500 camera. And think about how crazy this is. We review the camera. It's a good camera, a bad camera. Oh, yeah, of course you're going to say that. Somebody paid you. They gave you that camera for free. And I'm like, you think I'm going to go buy a $2,500 camera and make a YouTube video? <laughs> but people are just... They're, they're wising up to the fact that all this stuff, and they want authenticity. Even if it's like irrational on their part, they want authenticity. It makes such a big difference to them. But also, you need it. You need to be authentic because pretending is exhausting. It's ex and like on a personal level, all of us have some kind of mask we put on in our lives that we go out and we, yeah, you're depressed, but you want to look happy. You, you know, you don't want everyone at your work to know you hate your job. Who knows what it is? Something you're pretending to do and be and whatever. And it's exhausting. And, you know, I would say in general, we should, sometimes you got to just grow up a little bit and do some things you don't want to do and be quiet about it. <laughs> but your faith shouldn't be one of those things. And living out authenticity with your faith, because at the core of your faith is this well of mercy and joy that God wants to give us. And the truth is, if you're authentically not experiencing this, you're not really, there's something wrong. If your walk with God does not give you joy, if it doesn't give you peace, if when you think about God, all you can think about is politics. And when you think about God, all you can think about is like, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's like, what about your soul? What about God's peace? What about his joy? What about his plan? You should read Revelation. You know how this is supposed to go. You're good. Everything's good, guys. And it's tricky because it depends on our souls being healthy, right? This authenticity part. And so I want to encourage you guys to really look at your spiritual disciplines, to look at how you're doing. And be honest. And this is why accountability is so big, too. Because sometimes we need a mirror that isn't just ourselves. We need someone to tell us, like, hey, I'm noticing. Kind of slipping, or your spouse, or someone in your life. But at the end of the day, being real is so essential. Because we, the truth is, we all blow it. We all blow it. We're all dependent on God's grace and his forgiveness. And, and just like Isaiah, we need to clean ourselves up. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not authentic just because you have flaws and mistakes and you're not doing so well. So hiding it all, pretending, that's part of authenticity. Just being honest with where you're at and what you're really about, what's important to you. And like, if you're honestly looking at yourself and you're like, every Sunday morning going to church is the biggest burden to me. At least admit it to yourself. At least be honest where you're at because that's how you fix it. That's how you deal with it. You say, God, fix my heart. Help me. Help me to do better. Humility is what that's called. And it can go a long way for this. For some of us, admitting we don't have it all together is the first step to becoming influential. Admitting that we're kind of messed up, which we think is the opposite, right? We look at influence and we're like, the best people are the most influential. But I would tell you the most authentic people are the most influential. The people who are just real. When you've met someone who's like, comes across as like, kind of shady, 
fake, weird, like, like the used car salesman vibes, no offense if you're a car salesman. It's like, what do they want out of me? No, authentic and honest, like, relationships go so far, guys. And I think Christians are some of the worst because we're so afraid that if people knew that we had issues, that people would, in our communities, and, and I don't think this is true, by the way. It's an unfounded fear. But it's like a great tool the devil uses in our lives to keep us from being authentic and therefore keep us being influential is, what if people found out? What if anybody knew my marriage had issues? What if people knew that I have sin in my life? What if people knew that I have issues with faith or doubts? Well, they might talk to you about them. They might have something to say that would be helpful. But also, they would respect you more. And you would have more influence because you would be one of the only people in their life who didn't lie to them. And that's what Christians are supposed to be, aggressively honest. And the last thing is live for Jesus loudly. The last way we can be influential is live with some volume behind it. Just like that verse, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us all to us all in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of the grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Like this idea of being seated with God and pointed to, it's not a quiet kind of faith. This idea of putting your faith on a pedestal or being a city on a hill. There's, there's nothing, this idea that like the Christians are these quiet people, it's so unbiblical. Literally, I've read you a bunch of Bible verses. If you want to come and give me a different alternative like interpretation later, we can talk about it. But there's nothing I've seen that says, you are a secret in a book. Only the magical wise people who have time to read it and discern its secrets. That's how you know you're in a cult, by the way. Seriously, um, there's a movement in, the, in Jesus' age called Gnosticism. It's called secret knowledge. Oh, you don't get it? You need the secret knowledge. You have to come to this secret place and we'll tell you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is an every man's religion. It's for everyone. And the gospel is people loudly proclaiming their faith, their, their love for Jesus. It's not even just you telling people some theology or preaching sermons. It's about telling your experience with Jesus, what it means to you. Like, it's the same as if you love fishing. Just talk about that you love fishing. You don't teach people to fish. It's, there's people who teach people to fish, by the way. Though they exist. That's not everyone. Just because you're not a teacher doesn't mean you're not passionate and you're not influential. And I think a lot of us, we live our faith so quietly. So quietly. And, and I don't want to, like, mock anyone or chide anyone for something as petty as, like, social media or things like that. But the amount of vacations that we put online and the amount of versus, like, the ratio of, like, this is my church. I'm at church today. Sick sermon, Jason. Great guy. <laughs> um... Here's a worship song. Here's a Bible verse. Like, I do the same thing. I have the same thing. Like, what am I amplifying with my life? With my opportunities to talk and share? And it's like, there's like, I think the more complicated stuff. We always make this simple, but it is complicated. Like, inviting people to church, telling people about faith, praying with people. Although I will say this. I've prayed with a lot of unbelievers Maybe not even prayed with them, but they tell me, like, oh, this thing. And I go, like, oh, wow. Hey, I'm going to pray for that. And then, you know, check them up. Hey, just so you know, I'm praying for what we talked about. I have never had someone say to me, get out of here with that religious fanaticism. <laughs> Your hateful, bigoted religion. <laughs> no one has ever done that. Every one of them 
comes back to me later with more things they want to talk about. I don't know. I haven't found it to be that complicated. I'm a bit of a bold person, so I understand it's not for everyone. But I'm saying, whatever you're doing for God, do it in a way that's visible. Put some volume behind it. Don't live your faith so quietly that literally no one around you even knows. And I will say this. You're going to have to answer that when you get to heaven. Because that's, at the core of it, is selfishness. And, and I think all of us have done it. I don't think I'm better than anyone. I definitely don't think um, it's easy either. But maybe it is. Maybe it's just pretty much easy because the world responds to action. You know, boldness, it could be as simple as like, you know, Posting a picture of going to church. For some of you, that would be a big deal. There are people at, my, at the PTO club, they're going to know that I go to church. And maybe, maybe they're going to think I vote for Trump. <laughs> you know, maybe it's as simple as just inviting someone to church, or for some of you guys, it's like responding to an altar call. Like, having the humility to actually, in front of other people, say, that's me. I'm dealing with that. Um, speaking of, if we can have our altar workers get in place, that would be great. Um, and for some of you guys, it's just going to be actually authentically responding to, like, the call to accept Jesus. And say, like, I want to follow him. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to, I'm going to make an impact on this world. I want to be influential. And so I'm going to let other people know I'm a follower of Jesus. It might even just be, instead of just telling someone you're going to pray for them, oh, that's a tough thing in your life, I'll pray for you. Just pray for them right there. Hey, can, I do, can I pray for you really quick? I don't know what it is, guys. It's going to take some risk. It's going to take some figuring it out. And it has to be authentically. So don't try to be me, and don't try to be pastor, and don't try to be anyone else. God has made you uniquely you, so you got, he's not going to ask you to do something that you can't do. Every way he's asked you to be influential is going to be authentic to who you are and your experience. It doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. Just like Moses, when he's like, hey, I want you to go free my people. He's like, oh, I'm not a great speaker, though. He's like, look, you were bold enough to, like, murder a random guy? <laughs> he did that, by the way, if you don't know the Bible story. <laughs> I think you can be bold enough to go in and deal with this. God knew that he had the stuff inside of him, even if he didn't have what he would perceive to be the normal leadership traits. So whatever God's going to call you to do, he's going to equip you to do. That's for sure. The, the world responds to action, visible action at that. They want to see that who we are is who we really are. In a world full of incessant marketing and noise and lying and just all around volume, Christians can't become shy about Jesus. We can't be the quietest message in the world. Authentic, passionate, sacrificial actions and words that people can see, see, hear, understand. Interact with the world with your faith. It's not for your prayer closet. It's for your body and the people around you. So today I want to ask a simple question. How will you respond to God's call to influence? And it's just very simple. What is one real physical action that you can take to be more influential for Jesus? We'll say the world, but it really it's in your world. Because everyone's world is different and unique. We all have our own contexts. What is something you can do? So I want to give you a second. I want you to think about this. Honestly answer the question to yourself. What can I do to be more influential? Not, what can I do to finally fix this sin issue I've had for 25 years? 
thorn in the flesh, by the way, some of these things God might not, you might never fully deal with. That does not mean, like Paul didn't say like, I'm not going to do ministry because I have a thorn in the flesh. So when I get this thorn in the flesh dealt with, then I'm going to finally serve God. Stop living like that. Think of something you can do. So I'm going to pray. And if God has spoken to you today, I'd love you to come, in, up, come up here. But also, you can just respond. Um, so <clears throat> while I'm praying, I'd like you to be bold. Come up and have someone pray with you. And it could be as simple as like, hey, I want to be more influential. But I think just like, do you guys know why we do this stuff? We do this stuff because it's how people are wired, right? If you say it, it becomes real. If you think it, it's in your mind. So we know some of us need actions. This is not magical. This is about you needing to do it for your own self. Like, it, I'm, I'm sure that there are some special anointing that can happen when people pray for you. And I've seen that. I know that that's a part of prayer. But a lot of it is you making a decision for yourself to do something different. And so that's why we have altar calls. We don't have them because it's magical. We don't have them because this is where the bad people come. For those Catholics, I saw this the other day. At a, uh, it was a, like a, a um, confessional booth. And I loved it, actually. It said reconciliation, um, reconciliation room. So that's beautiful. That's a great thing, that we have things like that in the world where they represent symbols and magical spiritual changes that can happen. That can happen on an altar call, but a lot of it is just you doing something scary so that you have to do the next thing because you went in front of people and you outed yourself. And so if you need that motivation today, then get up and do it and tell the person like, hey, I've realized not a single person at my work knows I'm a Christian. I'm going to tell someone. I'm going to invite someone to church. Or I'm, going to, I'm actually going to talk to my brother about his alcoholism. Who knows? I don't know. But be influential. Make an impact. God, as I'm praying, I pray that people would make a decision to stand up, come up, and be prayed for. But for those of, that just don't feel called to do that, but they have it in their mind, the thing that they're going to be doing. Help them. I pray it's simple enough that they can do it this week, God, um, and scary enough that it makes them grow when they do it. And that we need you, God. That We need you. And it's so important to put ourselves in positions of dependency on Jesus and needing the Holy Spirit. A lot of us aren't feeling God because we're not challenging ourselves in a way that we actually need God. We're enough to do what we're currently doing for God. But God, put us in places where we need you to do the thing you've asked us to do. And we know that when we succeed at it, God, you get all the glory and you get all the praise because it wasn't us, it was you who worked through us. Help us to be the light. Help us to be influential. Thank you for putting us with Jesus and allowing us to sit next to him in those places of glory. Help us to be the examples, God. And when you point to us, that people don't see us anymore, they see Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.